All right, well, we just touched on last week, and I didn't think we were done. Um, we touched on the topic of offense, taking offense, and the effects of offense. And, um, you know, this, like I guess, last week, this isn't something that necessarily, um, you know, when you hear it, people don't necessarily jump up and run around and shout. But, but if we know what we're hearing and what we're talking about, uh, it, can, it can be, how should I put it, not an exciting thing, but a, a thing that is very encouraging. And, and we'll get into it a little bit. You see what I'm talking about. Uh, Proverbs, we'll read some of the scriptures we read last week and go a little bit further. Proverbs 18, 19, you don't have to turn to these, but we'll put them up on the screen. Uh, Proverbs 18, 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. Uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate with locked bars. Those are pretty strong statements. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Offense is a tool of the enemy to separate us from the blessing of God. It is a tool of the enemy. And if we're aware of that, then in our lives, as we walk through, because we all have opportunities to be offended, and we'll get into exactly what that means, and we know generally, but we all have opportunities to get offended. Probably today you did. Maybe even on the way here you did. But offense is a tool that the enemy uses. It's one of his tools to try to get us disconnected from where we need to be, from where we need to go, and ultimately from the blessing of God, of God and if he can, disconnected from God himself. Now we read some accounts last week. We're not going to take um, time to, to go over uh, some of those. But Revelation, why don't we go ahead and put this up. Revelation 12.10, it says, uh, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, uh, loud voice, um, Here I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. The accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. That is Satan. He is the accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. When you hear things that are accusatory, that are negative... We're not talking about that everybody's perfect when you bring a charge against somebody that, that they deserve. That's one thing. But the voice of the devil is constantly, it's like a dripping faucet. It's always pointing the finger. It's always being negative. It's always saying they could do that better. They could do that better. What, what's up with that? What, why, is it, why do they do it that way? Oh, you know, it could be against your spouse. could be against your, your uh, parents. It could be against your siblings. But that divisive accusatory, negative, half full, instead of half empty voice. You know, play, you can look at a glass half full. Um, 
I say half five, I said it backwards. It's half empty. He's always saying the thing that's wrong, never the thing that's good. But look at that. Why didn't they do that? I mean, instead of, wow, they did that? Man, that's awesome. Here we go. Sure. I mean, everybody has shortcomings. Nobody is perfect. Everybody has, uh, you know, improvement to make. But the enemy is always going to point out the thing that somebody lacks. And it's not necessarily true, but he'll point out something and accuse whether it's true or not. And we have to learn to recognize this because this is how offense comes. We deal with imperfect people and an imperfect world, and so we're going to have opportunity to become offended. You know, some individuals think, well, if I could deal just with God, I'd be okay. It's just these people that tick me off. Well, we'll see about that, too. We're going to read some scripture and see how true that is. But that's in, our, in, in people's minds. It's like, well, you know, I've just, I, I've had this great time with God. And then, you know, my spouse comes in. What did they say? Or my sibling came in and they said something. And it's just like, now they got me off. No, that's not true. We let ourselves get off. The fact is, we weren't that solid to begin with. If we can get pushed off that easy... We've just spent time with God or you just go home from a service and you're on the way home and somebody says something or somebody cuts you off on the way home and we are jumping and we're getting mad. Well, that's not the person's problem. That's, that's our issue. But if we start learning to recognize this for what it is, you can turn inward like anything. You can start beating yourself up. Go, well, yeah, I know I should do such as Well, we all can come up. But if we learn to see that this is a tool, this is a trap, this is a tactic, and I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to let some stupid little comment divide me basically from God. Because how, you know, how many of you know, if you start getting mad at somebody else, it's harder to stay connected with God. Because you know you're going off on them, well, but you want mercy from Him. And He, he is a merciful God. The thing is, we are getting in our own way at that point. And the more we understand that this is the case, you know, whether it's our, like I said, our family member, spouse, our employer, uh, you know, somebody you just came across on the road, whatever, that there's always going to be that opportunity. And the more we say, wait a minute, I'm not taking that opportunity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go past it. The more we'll stay on the road strong, steady, secure, not pushed off, not easily touchy, not easily moved, but we'll just stay on that path that God has for us and we'll be able to continually go on with Him. Jesus Himself was called the rock of offense. Let's put this up on the screen. We're going to turn to some scripture here in a moment, but let's put this up. Romans 9.30. Romans 9.30. It says, What shall we say then? that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith, but Israel, pursuing the, the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will, be, will not be put to shame." Galatians 5, 
uh, verse 11 says, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about his cross. And it's calling it an offense. In other words, people can take offense even at him. And you see that all over the world. Reject the Savior. Well, we're going to see that more. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 1.20. It says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? What is, where is the disputer of this age? Has, God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You have 1 Corinthians? We'll just read it to you. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews, now listen to this part, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. I'm going to read that to you in the New Living Translation. It says, so when we preach Christ or preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. When we preach Christ crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. In the Amplified, it says this, We preach Christ, the Messiah crucified, preaching which to the Jews is a scandal and an offensive stumbling block that brings a snare or a trap. Notice that. Preaching Christ, it says, is an offensive stumbling block that brings a snare or trap. And to the Gentiles, it is absurd and utterly unphilosophical nonsense. So the preaching of Jesus in one mindset, mindset is offensive, is a stumbling block, is a trap, is something to ensnare. Now we're going to turn over to Luke. Um, let's see. Yeah, we'll go ahead and turn to... Uh, now we won't turn there. We're going to turn to some other scripture. I'll just read this because we uh, went through another version of this last week. Luke 7, verse 18. Luke 7, verse 18. It says, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. So these are the disciples of John reporting to Jesus. Now this is Jesus we're talking about. Verse 19, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, before we say this, John the Baptist, as you know, John the Baptist went before Jesus proclaiming that the Christ was coming. He said, I'm not, I'm not the Christ. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. But he came proclaiming that Jesus was coming, pro proclaiming repentance. So now, John is sending his disciples to touch base with Jesus because John has evidently grown weary 
And John is not seeing what he thought he would see from the Messiah. And so he sends his disciples to ask Jesus this. Verse 19, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? John said before, he is. But now what, he, he's, he's not so sure. He's saying, wait a minute, are you, the, are you the Messiah, or should we wait for somebody else? Because he's not sure. Verse 20, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour he, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Now that was prophesied that Jesus would do that. So he is doing the works that he is prophesied to do right before these disciples. But then he said, verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to, him, to them. So he is telling the disciples, you go back and tell John what you just saw. Because John knows the scriptures and he's going to see, he's going to hear what the Messiah was prophesied to do. And that's what Jesus is doing. So he is speaking to John. But look at verse 23. He said, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Is it possible to be offended at Jesus? Yes, we just saw he's a, he's a rock of offense. The Jews are offended. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus was walking the earth, 100% man, 100% God, yet people were offended at him. We're going to see that even more. And he's saying right here, see, see John has the opportunity, we're going to see what this means, to let it go right now. He is doubting. He is tempted, at least. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, are you, he's asking, are you the Messiah or should we wait? This, was, this is John the Baptist that's going out preaching. He, he, he was declaring. And now he's like, are you the one? Well, what is that? He is tempted to stumble. That's offense. He said, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The blessing of God is here, but Satan will try to get whoever it is to stumble on the way. The blessing's there. The good marriage is there. The good relationship with the siblings is there. The good employer relationship is there. He'll try to get you offended to separate you from what God has for you. And it comes to all of us. Now look at this in several different uh, translations. This verse 23, it really brings it out. The Amplified, Luke 7, 23 in the Amplified says, And blessed, happy, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions, and to be envied, is he who takes no offense in me, and who is not hurt, or resentful, or annoyed, or repelled, or made to stumble, whatever may occur. Blessed is he who takes no offense in me, and who is not... See, if it wasn't possible to be offended at Jesus, why is Jesus telling us not to be offended at him? Or the Word, 
or anything that would come from him, or it, it goes with, with other people as well. But we're saying right here, this is an example. If people can be offended with Jesus, <laughs> they can be offended with you and me. And it doesn't really cut it if we think, well, I just can't deal with these people. I want to deal with God. These people couldn't deal with God. You're going to see this more. God walked among them and they were still offended. They killed him. Now he led himself, he, he laid his life down, but that doesn't, it, it doesn't really cut it either. He who takes no offense in me and who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble. Look at it in the easy to read version. Great blessings belong to those who don't have a problem accepting me. Does that make it plain? Look at it in the New Living Translation. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. See, John, John was tempted to fall away. Contemporary English version says, God will bless everyone who doesn't reject me because of what I do. God will bless everyone who doesn't reject me because of what I do. Now we saw this last week. Go ahead and turn over to Matthew. We're going to turn to Matthew, then we're going to turn to John. But let's go ahead and turn to Matthew. Matthew 13, verse 53. We read this, um, a different version of this. We read it in Mark. Matthew 13, verse 53. It says, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, this not, his, is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did they get this, or where did this man get all these things? And you can hear it. You can hear a tone, can't you? What? What, what do you mean? Where did he get all this stuff? This is not somebody from, you know, some high birth. This is, this is the, the son of Mary. We know his mom. We know his brothers. Where did he get these things? Verse 57, so they were what? Offended at him. Offended at who? Offended at Jesus. Like I said, if, they, if people can get offended with Jesus, <laughs> then they can get offended with you and me, and we can get offended with them. And if we say, well, if it was just Jesus, I wouldn't have any problem... People had problems even with Jesus. It is our side. We have a choice whether we're going to get offended or not. We have a choice. And if we understand more and more, this is a trap. This is trying to separate us from the blessing that is walking with God. Because you know what? Jumping ahead. You know what the enemy tries to get you to do? Get offended. 
get you in condemnation. See, he'll tempt you to get offended. Look at that person. They did that. They did this. Get you offended, and then he'll come right back and beat you over the head for it and tell you, what, you're a Christian? Why are you, why are you upset with them? Why are you saying that? And if you, you know, tell some, get you to tell somebody else about it. I can't believe they did that. We'll see people doing that. They're doing it right now. What? They're who are they talking? They're not just talking to themselves. They're talking to each other going, what, what's he doing? Who is he? Who does he think he is? We know his mom. We know his brothers. What? Acting all high and mighty. So they're talking. They're murmuring. He gets you, but the Satan will try to get you to do that, and then he'll come back and beat you over the head with it, which is exactly where he wants you, because if you're condemned then, now you don't, your faith is weak. If you're feeling condemnation, your faith isn't going to be strong to God, uh, toward God, and then you're not going to walk in the things you ought to. So Jesus said to them, he said, verse 57, So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. That means you go somewhere else where people don't know you, and they tend to have more respect for you. You just start with your family. This is why when you preach and share the gospel with your family, it's not always, and it's not trying to be negative, but sometimes it's more difficult because they don't want to admit that you're right. Because it's you. If they believe what you're saying in front of you, they have to admit you know something they don't, and after all, you're just you. They've known you for your whole life or however long, you know, whether, wherever you fall in the birth order. And so they don't, they don't want to hear it from you. But they might listen to somebody else. Who is somebody else's brother or sister and son or daughter, but they just don't know them? Well, they might listen to them. Well, they found something out, and I heard from so-and-so, and I found it. But if they, if they listen to you, they got to get over their pride, which can be a stumbling block. they got to admit that you know something and that you're right. Well, you're just you. People are the same everywhere. I've known what you, I've seen you, I've lived with you, and they know that you're not perfect, and you know you're not perfect, and, and so it's easy for people to be like, I don't got to listen to what you say, who are you anyway? Just like they did with Jesus. The Son of God walked among them, and they rejected him, and they were offended. They wouldn't listen to what he had to say, because they knew where he came from. And this is a temptation, side, side note, this is a temptation with everybody. See, you, you, it's easier sometimes, you know, you see somebody on TV, you don't know where they came from, but you hear them speaking like, they're under the anointing, they're, under, they're speaking under a gift, and you hear them and wow, that's awesome, but you don't know their life. Whereas the person next to you, you know them. You see somebody uh, hear something, in church or, you know, and people will say, well, I, I'm around them. Well, if you were, I, I'll just tell you right now, if you were around anybody, any place on the planet, I don't care where it is, you will deal with the same type of, of thing where you start to get to know people. And it's a temptation. 
Um, it's a temptation to not receive from God because you know, because you've been around. Just like they would not receive from Jesus because they know where he, where he came from. And if they can be, if people can fail to receive from Jesus, people can fail to receive from anybody. Uh, you know, there were people, this is years ago, and, you know, uh, so not throwing any stones at anybody recently, but, it, you know, there were people at Rama where what, what Pastor Hagen would do, uh, they would have service on Sunday morning, they have service on Sunday night, and they would have service on Wednesday night, and Pastor Hagen would usually preach Sunday morning and, Sunday, and Wednesday night, and then one of the associate pastors would preach on, on Sunday night. And true to human nature, certain people would get favorites, and actually sometimes just, well, that person's preaching, I'm not going. See, that shows a lack of understanding. Who did you come to hear, the person? Or did you come to hear from God? Now, we all, it's a tendency, you know, you receive, you just, there's, a, there's a connection with certain people, and that's, I believe that is godly. You're connected with certain people. But to not show up, who did we come to hear? We come to hear a person, or we come to hear from God, because God will speak through if you're faithful and put your, you, you show up and put yourself in a position, he will honor that. Just a side note. But these people did not receive, so they were offended at him. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Verse 58 now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So the Son of God was limited. It said he could not do it. It didn't say he wouldn't. He could not do mighty works, the th types of things he was able to do. Why? Because of their unbelief. They didn't believe. They were offended. They were like, I can't receive from you. They thought, I know who you are. You can't be anything from God. And so they did not believe, which means they're not pulling on him, and he couldn't do things. That he could go other places and they're like, looking to him, pulling from him, and he was able to do things. So they were offended, and notice, they missed out. They missed the blessing of God because of their offense and because of their unbelief. This is what offense does. It separates you from what God has for you. And that's Satan's plan. Now let's turn over to John 6. John 6. Let's look at another instance where people were offended. You know, I, I encourage you, if you didn't hear last week's, go back and listen to that. Uh, you know, we touched on a few different places in Genesis, and we did talk about this situation that we just read. But, but all through the Word, people have an opportunity to get offended and to miss what God has for them. And that's really what I want to emphasize, is that if we're aware that this is a tactic, if we're aware that we're going to have opportunities going into a day, and when it pops up, we can either yield to our flesh, yield to our emotion, yield to our natural selves, and give in to the offense, or we can say, wait a minute, I, I know this, this, is, this comes to every person, and this is not worth it. I'm not, it's not worth 
getting mad here. It's not worth getting offended. It's not worth leaving the situation. Some people will quit a job, they'll quit a church, they'll quit a ministry because they're mad or they're offended. And what happens? They're separated from what God has for them. And this isn't isolated. This temptation comes to everybody. Now, John 6, verse 26. Now, there's a lot here. But just so you can see what he's saying, you guys okay if we read a few scriptures? Just It's, it's you know, pretty narrative. But um, to get to where we're, we're going at the end, I, mean, I could skip over some of it and just kind of tell you what's going on. But we're going to read through some of it. So stick with me, all right? This is a long chapter. But uh, verse 26, so just some background here. Jesus has fed thousands. You know, this is one of the times where he multiplied the food. So these people, are they basically were following him. Then they, they went to, to find him, and then they're, they're, they're hunting him down. They're thinking probably, all right, if we can just get a few scraps of food together and bring it to him, we don't have to cook anymore. You know, we, these crowds are coming looking, going, hey, we can get free food here. We can, all you know, you just have to have a few crackers and a few little fish or something. And so they are coming after him. Literally, that's what's going on. Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. So this is the whole dialogue. You can see how this kind of unfolds. Verse 30, Therefore they said to Him, What sign will you perform? He just performed a sign that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? Our fathers ate man in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said uh, said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, or gives me, will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. So he's, he's sharing with them some spiritual truths. Verse 41, then the Jews, the Jews then complained about him. Because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then, he says, I have come down from heaven? So you can see it starts. They're offended. They're not listening to him. They are beginning to be disconnected. It's 
So watch this happen. Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. Jesus is not stupid. He's saying, I know you're talking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever." And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, he is saying, if anyone eats of this bread. Now, Jesus, just as a side note, write it in John 1. It says the word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. Jesus is the word. The Bible says that uh, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And Jesus is imparting a spiritual truth. He's talking spiritually, and he's saying, I am the word, I am the bread of life. And you'll see in a minute, he's talking, my word, he's saying, my words are spirit. And so then they're, they're misunderstanding, and they don't understand everything. And instead of sticking around and listening and being taught, they start to get offended and be like, what's he talking about? He's crazy. Eat his flesh? What do you? And they start to further get offended. Verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves. See, this ramping up, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus is not promoting cannibalism. He is talking spiritually, figuratively. You'll see that here. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me, feeds on the Word, he is life, will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever." Verse 59, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, now these are not just people that are stopping by and hearing the word, these are followers of Jesus. Disciple means followers, a follower. It says, then therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? So they're starting to question. Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? So he, put it, he puts it right in their face. What then 
If you should see, so now, instead of just letting it go, he gets in their face. He says, well, that, that makes you mad? How about this? And he goes further. He goes, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. He's saying, look, I'm, we're talking about the Spirit. You're missing it. You're talking about the flesh. You're thinking I'm meaning literal. There's things you don't know. We're talking spiritually. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. He is the word. He is the bread of life. He just said that, but they're not getting it. Verse 64, but there are some of you that, who do not believe. For Jesus from the beginning uh, knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted by, to, my, to him by my father. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So this separated many of his disciples from him. Did they have to be separated? Obviously no, because not everybody was. But they were offended. They did not understand. They didn't understand exactly what he was saying. They took a certain meaning. They got frustrated. They got in a huff. They complained to one another. They convinced themselves that they're right. And they left the Christ. They left Jesus. Has there ever been a better teacher on the earth than Jesus? Has there ever been anyone more anointed than Jesus? Has there ever been anyone more kind that walked in the fullness of the Spirit, the love of God, than Jesus? And they were offended and they left Him. They were separated. They left the presence of God in Jesus, the blessing of following the Master. The Son of the living God on the earth, they were in that time, were following Him, and because of offense, were disconnected from that blessing. And this is the end game. Get you separated from what God, from what God has joined you to. He will try to get it. He'll try to separate friends. He'll try to separate couples. He'll try to separate partnerships in business. Separate it and keep it from becoming what God had for that relationship, or even from God himself, like, like we see here. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? So think about it. There's a lot of people leaving. There were thousands that were coming after this miracle and coming to him, but they heard some things Jesus said, and then it got whittled down to where it must have been pretty bad because Jesus is asking them, you going to go too? You going to go? Verse 68, But Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Now this is a very wise statement. Where did other people go? They left Jesus to do what? Go where? Where are you going to go? Is there any place that one should want to be on the planet other than the presence of the Son of the living God, the Messiah. They were with the Messiah, and they got ticked and left, so what, now they're doing what? 
<laughs> Where did they go? It's not this, it's, I guarantee you, it, it's not as good as being with Jesus. How many people got to walk with him while he was on the earth? Now, we have something better in the new covenant. We have the Spirit of God in us. But, I mean, let's be honest, to walk next to Jesus on the earth, that would have been something. And people willfully, nobody forced him. They said, I don't like what you're saying. To the Son of God and said, I'm out of here. So Simon Peter answered and said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are Christ, are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That gives you a glimpse of what our attitude ought to be when offense tries to raise up, and it will, and it will. That's not a bad confession. If you're going to walk on this earth and you're going to walk with people, Jesus they were offended at. If you're going to walk with people, you are going to have opportunities to be offended. How do we respond? Peter said, I'm not going anywhere. And this time he was right. You know, there's another time where he said, I'm not going anywhere, and he was denying Jesus, but he got restored. But we need to say, I'm not getting offended. I'm not leaving this relationship. I'm not leaving the job. I'm not leaving the church. I'm not leaving the ministry. I'm not leaving what God has joined to me, just in general, because there will always be something in front of us that Satan is trying to push us and separate us from, and we have to say, where would I go? I'm, if we look at it like this, if we are walking in the will of God and doing the will of God, where are you going to go if you get out of the will of God? People will get, we will all be tempted. I mean, if I were so inclined, I could give you examples, which, you know, usually is not fruitful, you wouldn't want to talk about certain things, but there have been examples. All of us have had examples where you're tempted to get out of what God has for you. Don't, don't, don't deceive yourself and think it's, it's, uh, that the, the, the thoughts that, that you have don't come to other people. Everybody is tempted to jump out of something and to get out of the will of God. But I would tell you, there were certain situations where I, I, I was tempted. I was like, there was a certain thing I was frustrated with. And then I would ask myself, where are you going to go? Because I knew I was in the right place. So what would I do? What would I go? Where would I go? If I go from what, I, what is the will of God to what? Wandering around? This is exactly, there will always be that uh, situation where offense is trying to take you away from what God has for you. It will pull on you, it will try to push you, whether whatever situation it is, try to get you to what? Unhook. Walk away. They walked with him no more. And that's the end game. Get you to detach. And don't make any mistake. As great as the pressure would be to jump out of a relationship, the, great, the pressure would be to, to leave that job because you're just fed up with the boss, you may have relief for a little bit, but then there will be condemnation heaped on you 
Satan is evil. He will tempt you. He will push individuals, get them, get them to move out. And then he'll come. They may think, oh, that's done. Oh, I got out of it. Oh, life's good. And he will come back like a sledgehammer and say, what did you do? I can't believe you got out. You had it good. And the very thing he tempted him to do will come back and beat him up. But we can know better. Amen? Amen. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant. And God can help us and he will give us his grace and give us the strength to walk through any situation if we'll look to him. Amen?